Welcome to Across the Nation with Jason, the show where we interview up and coming artists, entrepreneurs, and small business owners, and so much more. This is the show that's going to help you get into the right mindset to get you to the next level. Let's just jump right into it. Well, good morning, my friends. I hope everyone's doing great today. Um, I just kind of want to start diving right into it. Um, Okay, awesome. Sweet. So right now, I kind of want to just go down and break uh, down one thing that's going on right now uh, that's just happening in the stock market world. Uh, So I'm not sure if you guys have been following uh, all this stuff that's been happening with GameStop and uh, with the short squeeze that is currently happening with uh, GameStop. So in order to explain what's happening, I want to just first like explain a little bit about what GameStop's doing, what's going on, um, what they did as a company, and then why the what's happening right now is really important. Okay, man, that's really good. Um, so when we look at GameStop, it's a company that very, very likely it's looking like it's going to fail. I don't care if you're on the right side of this issue or the left side, just knowing basic basic you know college business principles you know whatever like the cookie cutter kind of you know business strategy there's no way that that company is going to be able to scale so when's because they have a model that's very outdated where people are actually buying video games at the store and with that it makes it so that kind of completely became obsolete due to technology because people then let's say I want to buy a game on my PC. I just buy a game um, on my PC or if I want to buy a game on my Xbox, I just buy it on my Xbox like on the console and I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, there's still some people that buy video games, but if those people are buying video games, a lot of the times they order the game from Amazon or what I know way more gamers are doing is they'll go go to Best Buy, buy the game, and then price check Amazon, and then buy it from Best Buy at that price. Because uh, GameStop does not price match or do that sort of stuff. They're kind of falling behind in terms of where how they're catching up. So because of this, and due to their kind of losing a lot of the market share in terms of having a game store due to uh, Walmart, wherever, everywhere sells video games, they're falling behind the competition. So a massive, massive, what's called a short position started to develop on GameStop. So, and what a short position is, is that's where basically you you get lent a share of that stock, you share it, you you sell it immediately, and then you wait for the price to go down, buy more shares and sell and sell those back and keep your profit. And that's just what happened with a bunch of hedge funds. And it, there was, it got to this point where there was, um, I think it was like a, a, a 170% short position on GameStop. So that means uh, no one was even able to buy GameStop shares because they were getting lent out at such a high rate. So what ended up happening is there was this thing called Wall Street Bets on Reddit. And what happened is they started to get a wind of this and they saw, wow, what's happening is all of these things, there's so many people that believe this is going to go down. If the price goes up at all, people are going to panic and start selling. And because of that, what, what did they start to do? 
they started to buy and buy and buy GameStop shares, so they didn't, weren't able to get those those shares uh, lent out. And then what happens with a hedge fund is they actually they're in a lot of the contracts for a short position. They say if uh, the the price of the stock hits a certain level, what ends up happening is they can't. They have to sell and then take the loss. So that's what hap- happened with all these hedge funds, and the, and the stock price was just going up and up and up. Because when they're pressuring those people to, to, to sell, then there's people with this more need to buy. And it goes in this endless circle where now people are wanting to hold the, the position on GameStop. And that's how they had that kind of crazy 300% jump in a day. So also what a 300% jump in a day means, that's like if you put $1 into the stock, you get back 3 So let's say that someone put in $50,000 or whatever you know, in the very early stages of the company, you get massive, massive returns, especially if you, um, if you like, uh, reinvested your dividends, then you can, you get like crazy, crazy returns. That's how you can see people that make like $22 million on a stock pick like this and like those crazy numbers. Because the stock price was trading at, I'm going to go look it up for y'all. So the stock price of GameStop was, um, I just want to like, I'm going to go pull it up right now. Stock. So right now it's trading at 375, uh, 325. So look, looking at it over the past month. Okay. So this is, this is why what's ridiculous. Okay. So GameStop on January 7th was trading at $18. Um, $18 a share. So they bought, like if you, let's say someone bought it back in January, they have, they buy one share. Now the price is at $325 a share. Oh my gosh, it's climbing again. So what happened is on Wednesday, the 27th, it hit that kind of the first peak of $347 and 51 cents. Then the next day when trading ended up closing, it, it dropped all the way down to $200 uh, share and now it climbed back up on Friday, the 29th, all the way back up to 325. So now it is. Re- I have no idea where the stock's going to go, and no one does. That's what's crazy. And even these hedge fund guys that have these big fancy pieces of paper, they have no freaking idea where the stock's going to go next week, and no one knows. And that's, I think, a kind of a beautiful thing. But what I kind of want to focus on is like with all that stuff being said. This has now made it so GameStop has like almost a billion dollars that that was just like put into the company, which is free money pretty much. Um, it's well, it's not free. They're selling like zero point zero 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 one percent of their company for whatever it ends up being. Because I think GameStop now is valued at um, um, GameStop uh, company. Uh, evaluation and also this all started which is really it's really interesting is they got a new ceo we want to look at oh my gosh okay so now gamestop is worth 23 billion dollars which is ridiculous and i i don't think that gamestop is worth that much i think that that's just my personal bet but it's like hey i think that it's amazing and i think that 
the fact is is that it doesn't really matter what the thing is worth. It what matters is it if you can get people to buy it. That's that's what's something that I think people don't talk about enough in economics. It doesn't matter what the actual value of a certain thing is. All that matters is if the price goes up. So if you can if you can pitch that in terms of effort, then you're going to be able to scale that, you know, overwhelmingly. And and with that, so what I, what I mean by effort is by the actual pressing of selling that item or good or service or even stock. So the, the amount of like what I would talk about when I'm talking about effort, that's that's what I mean. It's by the amount of attention that's on a stock or the amount of kind of notoriety surrounding it. So I kind of want to open also with a, a kind of one of the one of my favorite stories about this in terms of just stocks. So this is this guy named Bill Ackman, who is known for his short positions on companies. Um, and I'm pretty sure he had a short position on GameStop, but that's kind of besides the point. So he's known for his short positions, and he talks about the ho- hotel industry um, and why they're going down. Has a super emotional pitch where he's like saying, oh, that's so sad. So many people are going to be unemployed. And is like talking about like, his his position as like this really of oh hotels are going under forever and there's no way they're ever going to be saved. So what then ends up happening is you know because Bill Ackman has a lot of notoriety and is kind of known as a very intelligent investor. What ends up happening is you know people like people that have a lot of money. Or people, the kind of mid-level executive or the mid-level investor that you know invest in companies here or there, they start selling a bunch of hotel stocks. So what happens when a bunch of people band together and sell a stock? The price plummets, and the price plummets. That's why there's you hear the hold the line kind of calling card from all those people that have GameStop stop ownership. So. Everyone starts selling off hotel stocks, but then when you actually look at the transaction history of his company, they as soon as uh, the stock started to drop, his company started buying millions upon millions of dollars in shares of the company, and and that's and then that's where that kind of value came in because he had to sell the idea that it was undervalued, and then he just decided to buy it and he, he was tricking people into thinking that it was it was overvalued so he could buy it back at that lower price and and that's and that's something that makes me really upset and by them you know propping up GameStop what if you will ones up happening is that it's it's this really interesting position to sit in because they know that Hey, we think well, they're still pretty sure that GameStop is going to die long term, but now that they have that resource of the nine hundred and fifty million dollars, I think that they could find some pretty creative ways of repurposing and rebranding the company, and then be able to kind of grow. I, because I think so. I, this is another thing I wanted to talk about with this is I think GameStop is in a phenomenal position as a company. They're in a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal position to get a tremendous amount of attention. And that is the best spot to sit in because everyone's talking about GameStop. And what the reality is, is if GameStop starts to push out like GameStop exclusives, a membership card, 
you know, set up VR lounges in their businesses, do cool stuff, pivot into VR sales and console sales, start doing local deliveries, um, do a lot of this stuff. And I, my, I'm, if I could figure out a way to, I think I should try to get in contact with the GameStop CEO because I think if they did local deliveries from their stops, that from their shops to people's homes, where they, hey, you go on GameStop to go buy a game or a console, and then you ship it directly to people's homes. I think that that's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal business that they could then capitalize on and pivot into. So then they can get those cheap prices because that's how they make their money. They have refurbished Xboxes that they fix, and then they could go sell it and deliver it because I think if they can pivot into that home model, that's going to be a phenomenal opportunity. And then also, I think there's a also instead of looking at Amazon as like, hey, there's this big competitor that's selling more games than us, maybe put like amazon um lockers inside some of your stores if you have that kind of space and i and i think that they could pivot into a lot of these things and you got to make a a massive 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 shift in your business because i think if you're not highlighting that side of things it's very big and also why in the hell if you're gamestop are you not having people send in discs so then you can then send them money like mail it instead of them having to come into a store like that you could scale that and then resell used games on the internet that's a brilliant idea and they should totally just do that that's a really good model that you could do but they just don't want to because they're they're a dying breed and that's that's why they that's why everyone was betting their company was going to suck so this also started because they had a new CEO, CEO that was appointed that people were feeling pretty excited about but yeah, and and that's what I really see with GameStop is like the you know why it's valued the way it is, and I think that if I'm CEO, I just kind of want to go go through that and talk about what I do. I would really pivot into it. Uh, first of all, I'd pivot into a more delivery centric business model. I'd get a cup. I'd get a van for almost every single store um, that I could sell to. I'd start spending. I probably would buy a Super Bowl ad like tomorrow if I'm GameStop. Cause think about 950 million, you got 24 million that you spend on a Super Bowl commercial. You go buy that, you buy a Super Bowl ad and you go say, Hey, my name's, my name's Jeff. I run, I'm the CEO of GameStop. We're here to let you know that we sell video games on the internet and freaking figure it out. And like, I, I would probably do that. And then I would, I would, I'd partner with DoorDash or wherever um, ends up being the case for a delivery fee of you know contractors to deliver gaming systems and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and then if there's damages, you know you, you can go and fix the systems and resell them. A bunch of that stuff I think is really, really, really big. And so I do that shift to that delivery centric business model. I'd really increase content. Um, I think that that would be really big. Like if I'm GameStop CEO, I would literally invite the freaking head of Wall Street bets onto mine and say, hey, what did you see with our company? What what can we do to make sure that you guys get a phenomenal return on your guys' investment so you guys can, you know, get dividends? And I would, I'm not sure if uh, GameStop has a dividend because imagine this. Imagine for these people that, you know, put in 24, 25 million dollars into GameStop stock, um, I wonder if they have a dividend. I don't. I wonder if they do div. Dividend. I don't think they have a dividend. Um. Oh yeah, they they, no, they have a dividend. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they, they sell a dividend. So what you do is I would probably talk and be like, hey, you know, you still are going to get paid money in terms of a dividend as we succeed. So I would love it if you guys could just and then press that and capitalize on that a massive amount of attention that you have as a business owner, um, as a CEO. And I think that that is just they're in such a phenomenal position to to win. But, you know, we know how GameStop works and, you know, they're they're kind of literally the brand is known for being being frankly pretty shitty. And that's what I in in like literally it's like, hey, you know, I have a, I have my Xbox one. And I have nine games. What do you give it for? Oh, that'll be that'll be three dollars. That's literally a meme. And they're just known for not giving a lot of value back there. And I think that I would pivot into really value being creating really phenomenal customer experiences for people that come in having almost every single GameStop. Because think about most of the most of the effort, time and crap that you end up going through as a GameStop employee is by sitting around talking. I would I would start a GameStop media. Um, and what GameStop Media would be is you would ha- you would have people that would talk about different video games, new releases. You'd have um, game devs talk about um, why their game's awesome. Also, I think GameStop has a phenomenal opportunity to give indie games a really great space. Um, and I think that that's a very underserved market. And start betting on indie games and being like, hey, you know, we'll invest fifty thousand dollars into your indie game. Um, because we think you have a really awesome idea. Do local pitches for video games. Run an incubator. And you would do a bunch of different things hoping that one one or two things click. And then putting effort and energy into the things that are working. But you have to try a bunch of different things. Because I think any two people that work at a GameStop have pretty good insight on games. And imagine that, like, hey, you have the Colorado Springs GameStop podcast. Where then you go and talk about upcoming games, releases, um, you could do game reviews where you talk about like, hey, here's what here's what Cyberpunk sucked at. Here's what I really liked about it. And then you guys could have like most or girls, you could have talk talk about a lot of that stuff. And also another thing that I would do as a CEO is I would figure out what customer segments are not buying games, and I'd figure out how to get them to buy games at GameStop. I think one of the biggest underserved communities of people in gaming is a lot of women and girls. Because I think that if you really, mar- and also I don't mean market to girls as in, oh, oh, we're going to go, here's here's Hello Kitty or whatever. I'm talking about like, hey, you know, we do we do contests and then we have like, uh, like we do like gaming competitions and we emphasize that like, hey, they're, like we want to know that we're getting uh, ga- gamer women involved and people that are, you know, this is just such a cringy conversation and just the way it, it is, but I think that if you emphasize kind of marketing to those underserved areas of your market instead of being like, what's what's our target customer, which right now is that that person that goes in and buys a game in your store every six months, how can you get that, how can you increase the number of people that are going and buying video, video games consistently over time? And I think I'd also, I'd, pre- I'd press a membership. Also, I'd give you a GameStop card that would then work so you could buy games from the GameStop like online and then it would you'd buy a GameStop card and you'd send in three games and then you could either you'd you'd do like a what's that what's that uh, clothing company um a stitch fix you do like a stitch fix for video games and you do that and implement that as GameStop 
and you do stuff like that and you try a bunch of different stuff and see what people are actually interacting with and using and where where's the money and where's the profit and then you can get that and put more resources into that and and capitalize and that's what i think i think GameStop is in a phenomenal position for doing, so that's how I could kind of justify buying it, is if you think that they could do a bunch of those different things and really kind of implement and scale that. Because if they just run the business the way they've been doing, I think obviously it's a no-brainer they're going to be the next blockbuster, but if they capitalize on the attention, make, I think, so I'm going to just make it, so three things. You capitalize on the attention by using social media and podcasts and all of that stuff. That's that's step number one. Two, you want to make your stores places for people to hang out with and then and and also like buy more content and diversify. So that means putting in, you know, I think you could you could, there's a massive market and I think, you know, Japanese like manga and that kind of crap that you very easily could transition into. Um, like with figurines, I know there's figurines in GameStop, but really kind of emphasize that crap. Um, and three, you really want to make sure you have a delivery centric business model and a, and a ridiculously convenient thing. So I could go into my car, order the games from GameStop literally drive by on my way home and then they just run the games out to me and I can just dip and have my credit card information saved. Also, you then can sell that data and information to advertisers realizing, hey, this person is ga- sells games and that's also going to make your company more valuable. But those are the three things that I would do if that was the GameStop CEO. And, if you, I, and I think that that is not outside of the question of what could end up happening. And and yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think there's a lot a lot that they could do here. Yeah, so that was that was a big thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, so but it's also when you look at brands, and that's what that's what I think why GameStop has value is because it's a brand, and like you know GameStop, but I don't. I don't know of any other games, video game store that I can name off the top of my head. I know places that sell video games, but I don't know of any other video game store. And I think that that's valuable to some extent. But when we're talking about the artificial value that's created and kind of how a lot of people are up in arms about uh, about GameStop, what I think it's who determines the value of something. So this is what I was trying to emphasize earlier when I was talking about effort of a company. So when we're talking about value, it's uh, the value is created by what someone is willing to pay for that thing. Whether I'm buying it so then you can't buy it or if I'm buying it because I want it, it doesn't matter. The market doesn't care why you're buying something. It cares that you're buying something. Like if I'm buying a shirt as a joke and then if I'm buying a shirt seriously, like the sales, the same, this, it's the same money amount of money in my pocket. If someone's buying a product cause they hate me or someone's buying a product cause they like me, they're both buying a product. And with, with this is that I don't think that people are emphasizing enough in business schools overall that that value is very artificial and that that is vastly underrated in terms of what you're doing as a company. So when you look at a company, like let's say, let's take Nike for instance, the actual value of that pair of shoes is probably about $100 for the, you know, labor, manufacturing, that's the actual value. But after it gets sold and then you see Travis Scott wearing it, that's a value shift and then the value of that item then goes up exponentially. But that value is is created artificially by influencers or by celebrity 
And I think it's the exact same thing that happens in the stock market, whether that's Bill Ackman talking about, hey, this is this is why you should sell all your hotel stock or this is why you're doing this thing or that thing or the other. None of it matters. All that matters is that people are buying it and that there's this increased needs that leads to an increased price. And it's so fake. It's not... This is the amount of labor cost and my margin. So that's when that's the price that people are going to buy it at. Literally, all that matters is what are other people buying it at, and that's what I'm going to buy it from. Or if I can get a good deal and a good value, so then it I value this item more than I value my money or this stock more than I value the cash in my pocket. That's what I'm going to do. That's like for me why I'm a big fan of not going to college because. I think the amount of value and money in your pocket is much more than the value you get out of your college degree. Like if you have a $40,000, if you have $40,000 and you live cheaply, you can live for like three years and travel and do a bunch of the cool stuff you've always wanted to do. You can set up a podcast, you can do whatever you want, you can make your own content, you can give yourself that runway, which whereas if you go to college, your runway is college and that's where you're supposed to take off from. But then you don't have enough resource in order to do that. But if you just check out books from the library, read as much as you can, and then go and compete in whatever you're training on doing, whether you want to be an an artist, an entrepreneur, whether you want a small business, or whether you want to be a musician, all that stuff's the same. And then you can use that that money that is in your pocket that you have zero debt. Also, if you have money that's saved for college. Um, you can apply that into stuff you want to do. Like, let's say that you work a summer job and you're trying to figure out how you can pay off your student loans. And let's say you end up, you know, by the time you hit college because you worked a, a, a high school job, you end up with, let's say, like, let's say you just freaking killed it and you end up saving $20,000. Instead of just putting that $20,000, then you end up paying for about, I don't know, a year, year and a half of school. You put that in your pocket and then figure out how can I create the stuff that I want to create and how can I go after my passion along with taking in all that information. By the way, go to the freaking library. I This is one of my, this is something that I'm always going to talk about no matter how successful I get. Like, libraries are, I think, the most undervalued shit on the planet. It You have access to so much information, almost more information than in all of human history. Either A, if you get the Libby app, I'm not even getting freaking sponsored, um, but, but yeah, if you, if, hey Libby, if you want to sponsor me, fuck yeah, um, but but with Libby, you literally can check out books from your phone and listen to an audio book from your phone while you're running, working out, doing whatever, and then you're able to then apply those lessons into whatever you're doing. Like I remember I read, I read, um, a crap ton of books on there and I've been able to apply so many of the principles that I learned from the the Benjamin Benjamin Franklin autobiography that I've read I've read um uh a bunch of different books so it's so good yeah and it is it is awesome so yeah it's it is it is really it's just a phenomenal value that you can then get for free and it's like, hey man, like you can read the works of like let's say like you're passionate about history. You can read every single history textbook and book that you would get in college. Also, you can go to it. You just can like sit down and read books in a college library. I don't think people realize this. If you live near a college, just drive to the college library, walk in with a little bit of swag and go sit in the library and read books. You're just allowed to. 
Like, if you don't smell like absolute garbage, they aren't going to kick you out. Yeah, they have libraries hours, but, you know, you can just walk in. Also, that's a great place to meet people, I believe, full-heartedly. If you're a single dude, like, going and being like, hey, is that seat taken? And then reading books at the library, like, that's a big brain. Um, but, yeah, there's there's my tip for single bros. Um, but, yeah, it's like you can just go into a college library for free and not go to college. Like, that's fine. And then you can, then also when you're talking about networking, then you could just make friends at that said library and then start networking that way. Like you just like go do that and then you have whatever you're, you can get Snapchat or phone numbers or whatever. And then you could just work on building relationships from there and being like, Hey, actually I just, I literally just go into libraries and, and talk to people cause I'm trying to make more friends. Like, and just, you can just be that honest and people overcomplicate making friends and building relationships to a crazy degree. And you could literally can just walk up to someone and say, Hey, I want to, I think you seem like a cool person. I think we might have similar interests. We should be friends. And like, you can just do that. And, and no one cares. Everyone wants that to be them. That's what also I've realized is that no one, no one wakes up and it's like, wow, I really hope no one asked to be my friend today. Because here's the thing. what's the, wor- the worst thing they can say is like, ew, no, gross, you suck. I hate you. You're ugly. That's like that's absolute worst case scenario. And then you're like, cool. Um, you know, have a great day. And then you move on. And then you move on. And that's, that's what I think is really, really cool. I just love libraries, man. But yeah, you read books from the freaking library and you can get just as good, if not better, of an education than if you went to freaking Columbia or whatever. And that's another thing that makes me that I want to talk about with this whole crisis with all these hedge funds. They're the people that are hiring all the MBAs. Like, I hope people realize that it's like when you get an MBA, you could you you could be cog number 700 at one of these big firms, which is there's nothing wrong with being cog number 700. But you have to realize that your number your cog number 700 that you could you're you're you could get laid off. So when you look at the actual amount of MBAs of P, of MBAs that got laid off because of this this recent crash, it's really frightening. I think it was like 450 MBAs um, lost jobs due to the recent stock uh, short of GameStop. So how many MBAs got fired from GME? Um, how many people, I'm going to say people. Okay. So they've drive, drive a 15% loss at a Steve Cohen's firm 0.72. Um, so that relate that's like, that could be, they could, they could, oh my gosh, they could fire a lot of people. So also, by the way, I, I, when I was talking about going up 300%, it actually went up uh, 1,700% in January. Yep, so it's, it's crazy. So, and they've been really pressing people. But there's a lot of people that got, on a, that, uh, got fired because of this. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, yep. And yeah, this is, yeah. So when you're looking at it, there's a lot of MBAs that got fired. And that's the thing is like when people are thinking about how, like how much the the stock market can change everything. If you work at a hedge fund and the stock market has a bad week, you're done. You're done. Like that's your job. Oh, well, we all just got laid off. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have a college degree and it doesn't even matter if you did everything right. You're still out of a job. 
And here's the thing. I think that the, the answer to that is I think you, even if you are like a stock person and you work on Wall Street, you got to be doing stuff on your own where it's like you're building your personal brand and character no matter what. Like if you're a teacher, you should be a teacher that's making YouTube videos. If you're doing anything, you want to diversify and make sure you're growing an audience in pretty much anything you do. And I think that it, I think that when you're talking about like scalability, I think that it is scalable. And I think that you you don't need to have a million people that like your videos. Like I was doing the math. If I have like, if I have 10,000 people, that's it, 10,000 people that listen to my podcast, um, that's an hour long, right? I make, I make a hundred and hundred, I think it was 150 bucks an hour, which is just so cool. So like, I, wait, I think my math's off. One second. Okay, so if I get a million, if I got a million views, a million views. One sec. Also, I wanted to talk to you about this. So, with the podcast, I probably have already talked about this. Also, by the way, I just also want to do some math on how much money Joe Rogan wrote. Joe Rogan's making. So. Um, if I, I make, I make $15 per every thousand clicks. So 15, so t- times a thousand. So I make, I get, I get a thousand, I get, oh my gosh, the, so yeah, there'd be 150 bucks, 150 bucks per podcast. If I just have 10,000 viewers and that's not a whole lot, that is not a whole lot. And also as you start to grow, you get more and more sponsorships. And that's just from the CPM, from the basic one that only very entry-level people get. But let's say I go and I get, you know, I get I get five or six or seven sponsorships for the podcast um, at, like, let's say, like, 200 bucks a month. You know, I get six six sponsors at 200 bucks a month, and, and they get on every single podcast that I make, and I make, you know, and I make. 200 like so let's say i make 150 bucks per podcast and i make 20 podcasts in a month and then off each one i make 150 bucks and then multiply 3000 by 12 months out of the year that's 36000 bucks that's not bad you know if i make and that's that's if I just if I just make twenty and I only have one sponsorship where I get ten thousand views, but I think that's very very scalable and I could start pitching to businesses like hey you know like we just had you on the podcast we'd love it if you would sponsor, um it's totally okay if you don't want to I'd still love to have you on again like stuff like like that's literally gonna be my pitch for people it's like hey we I'd love to give you a shout out and like uh, give give links in my bios for my videos. Um, to your business, and I'd love to just help you guys get some more business. All, what I'm looking for now is just a little bit of cash flow in the early stages, so I could promote your business more. But I, I'd still love to give you a free promotion opportunity just by having you on the podcast. And like that's going to be my pitch to small business owners. Um, if they want it, if they want to sponsor me, great. Also, by the way, I I would not I would not turn down like a like a Nike like I don't think Nike that's a stupid example, but like. I don't know, like, uh, like mentor, like a mentor box or something that sponsors the podcast, and then they pay me like some ridiculous amount of money to promote them every time. I probably wouldn't turn that down, um, you know, just because it's it's okay. But I just been talking about like who could I legitimately get? Actually, I think that that's a good idea. I should start reaching out to larger firms 
and just say, hey, you know, right now we're in the early stages. We're actually um, recording a couple different offers to, you know, sponsor the podcast. I've been a massive fan of your brand for a while now, and I'd love it if you would sponsor the podcast. Um, Because I could talk about just like my audience being, you know, 20%, whatever their niche is. So I think that's a really good idea. I think it's really cool. I need to talk to bigger companies about sponsoring the podcast. And then I could be like, because think about that. I could make the podcast. And then, you know, imagine I just get, you know, five or six or seven or eight businesses that pay me a thousand bucks a month to promote it, promote their company. You know, that's, you know, a lot of money. So like, let's just say I get, like, I, I, I get 10 companies, 10 companies that pay me thousand dollars and then I multiply that by 12 months out of the year that's six figures that's just for 10 companies that pay me a thousand bucks um to promote their thing and I think that's a great idea and I could talk about like hey here's I, I I divert traffic through my social media followings here's how I get um cross promotion from influencers and doing all that stuff and here's how I pull it and also by doing that I could then invest in being like hey influencer person i would love to have you on my podcast i'll pay you two thousand bucks or whatever and just do that and talk to interesting people i think that's a really good way to scale and i love this content side of things so much and it makes me so happy that's another thing is like i just genuinely like if i had if i had zero listeners I would probably be doing the same thing and talking about the same stuff. It's like when I'm by myself, I talk the same way that I talk when I'm on the podcast. It's I just have that conversational bone in me where I just think it's really cool. So, yeah, and and I and I've been getting a lot more interviews, but also I want to make sure that I'm creating audio experiences that are just me so I have like no excuse. So then even when I don't have someone to interview, I still make a podcast and I still really press this audio stuff. But yeah, I really think that it's just really just a phenomenal opportunity in the space right now, and it's really it's really cool. I just think if you can scale that, it's awesome. Like, cause when I was I remember I was listening to Joe Rogan on Spotify, and he had seven he had seven ads before uh, the podcast, and he had two mid rolls. So, and so seven where he's making let's say it's seven CPM. So this is, this is the math I'm going to do. So like let's just say he has the seven sponsorships where he gets paid $15 and let's say he has a million users. So for each one of those seven sponsorships, he makes $1,500 and that's only if he gets um, a million streams. So that would be $10,000 per podcast and he makes on average, let's just say he makes... 15 podcasts a month and then he does that 12 months out of the year that means he makes um off of just that's if i do really really small amounts wait a minute oh my gosh that makes you make that makes you that means he makes a million they makes almost two million dollars a month just off of just off of those sponsorships and that's not even including the massive contract he just got and I, and I'd almost guarantee that his his uh, his uh, so in in content there's this thing called the, what's your CPM that's your cost per milli 
And that's just a fancy way of saying how much money are you making per 1,000 viewers. So for every 1,000 viewers with a sponsorship, I just have with Anchor, that just happens automatically. They like I got my first sponsorship, which is pretty cool, just through Anchor. I love it. I love them. But like they have a 15 dollar CPM. So every thousand viewers that I get for the podcast, I'd get 15 bucks, which is pretty cool. Um, but I really think the the real money is where you're actually selling yourself. And that's when you're trying to like scale that. But yeah, I need to get, I need to go ask some people to go be on the podcast soon. I really want to get some more guests kind of, um, bundled up for this week along with, uh, just kind of getting it kind of dialed in and really pressing it. So, I'm just going to keep hustling, baby. And also, I'm, I haven't stopped running. I just It's not like I just stopped running Ocean. I'm still freaking working my ass off. This next month is really big for fundraising where I'm doing – I'm going to redo the pitch deck. I'm going to do a pitch video. I'm going to show how to get paid um, uh, and all that stuff. Like, it, it, like I, I'm, I'm freaking hustling. I definitely – I. I'm still working kind of baby steps through the podcast process. I'm not through the podcast, through the website process of me really trying to dial in the website still. I'm still just kind of swinging away at it. And, you know, I'm going to try to go find some sponsorships um, for stuff. And I think it's really, really good along with I'm going to start pressing more, getting some um, people set up on Zoom podcasts. Because also I figured out, oh, man, this is a great piece of content that I can give you guys. Okay, so if you, any of you guys want to start a podcast, and then you don't have a studio, one of the best ways to start it is you go talk to the other person, um, and you just say, hey, um, I understand that you don't have podcast equipment, that's totally fine, if you just have an iPhone, and you just hit the record button on the iPhone, I can splice the audio together, so what you do is you get the other person on the line, and you're like on a Zoom call, so you guys can talk to each other, and instead of recording the audio through the Zoom, which if, I'm not sure if you guys listen to the Brendan Johnston podcast, which I definitely want to have him on again soon. Um, and we, we, when you're talking, it's just the, the audio quality was really, really crappy. So I just next time I'm going to have him um, record the audio on his phone because the phone audio is actually not bad. Like for for the purposes of what I'm doing for a really long time. You can record on your phone and really you won't be able to tell the difference because um, I'm not I'm not an audiophile and my audience probably isn't. But what, like with him, I would have him record the audio on his phone and then where you would both clap at the same time. We go like three, two, one. Awesome, we're live. That's why. So when you do that, then you can splice the audio together in iMovie. I'm also going to make a YouTube video about that. You're showing how to do it, and 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 through that whole process, you can get really pretty pretty baller audio, um, and you can do it pretty well. And then you have it in iMovie, and then you can also kind of have a video component with Zoom, um, and also if you get a better web- webcam, which is one going to be probably one of my next purchases, um, so then I can record myself along with kind of getting a studio more more or less set up. But yeah, it's really exciting. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, just creating this content, and I'm having a blast, and I'm hustling, and just moving little baby steps through it. And that's all I can do. That's a it just uh, my goal is to just be more consistent with content. I kind of sucked having uploaded a podcast in a couple of days. Um, but yeah, it's like I, it's a freaking Sunday, so I'm also just like today's my rest day from working out. Also, I'm gonna start making some workout videos for y'all, just kind of showing my process and how I'm kind of get it staying on top of fitness um, while I'm running a company and how I'm doing it. Because my goal is to work out two days a week, uh, no, two times a day for for six days a week. 
So, and I like wrote out a whole routine that I'm also going to share on social media for y'all. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So I'm going to make sure I, I do a workout at 5.30 in the morning. And then I'm going to do another workout at 7.30 at night. And then I'm going to sleep. And then, then it gives me about eight hours between workouts. And also I'm doing um, opposite body groups um, during those two workouts. And then I'm also, I'm splicing conditioning in the morning when I go for my run at 4.30 in the morning. So I wake up at 4.30 I just get straight out of bed, brush my teeth, and then I go on a run. Um, go on, go on the run, get back, drink water, and then I go, go to the gym. All this, I don't eat in the morning. So then I go to the gym, um, get back home, eat, you know, eggs, protein, whatever. Start the day, go through um, whatever I wrote down for the previous day. Um, kind of knock out those things. That's another really big thing I want to talk about. Is even if you wake up early, if you can plan out. Um, literally what you're going to do tomorrow right before you go to bed and write it down. You know, Don't put it in your phone. Literally get a journal and write it down. That's the best way that I've found to kind of be on autopilot for the day. And yes, if there's a wrench that gets thrown, I can adapt and shift and change. But then it's like I know exactly what I need to get done and these exact measurable things. So then you can really hop into the next thing. And then if I get my work done early, I try to get, I try to get a head start on the next day so then I can kind of catch my own, my own tail. And then I kind of budget out whatever my hour is for the podcast, which is I'm going to try to keep it a firm hour. And then from there, then you can really go do the, then I do the second workout and then I go to bed, wake up, rinse, rinse, repeat. And I just go do that. And I try to make sure that I'm staying on top of that along with, you know, building relationships and doing that stuff and budgeting that time into my day where I'm still really busy and working really hard. So but yeah, that's like really it right now. I'm going to try to uh, do some more content. I want to get bigger. I think I want to start targeting TikTok more because it's like, man, it's like on like some of my TikToks, I got like 700 views, which is just crazy. And it's just like, oh, wow. And I didn't even do it. Would, I didn't even edit it well. So it's really cool. So I appreciate it, y'all. Um, I'm going to end the podcast here. Um, but yeah, let me know uh, what's other things that you would recommend me talk about um, for the next couple weeks and kind of going into, uh, I kind of want to start a new series where I talk about um, companies and what what I do if I was a CEO and um, that sort of stuff and just being like, what shifts would I do in these different businesses? And yeah, just me with my 20 year old business brain and like, what would I do if I was this company running into this issue and kind of just answering those questions for myself? Um, not like not like for myself, but like for you guys. But like I'm answering the question like as me, um, and being like, hey, I'm hey, I'm running a cookie business. What tips do you, do you have for marketing yourself on the internet? What kind of pieces of content would you do? If any ideas, like stuff like that. And I want to make a little series where I do that along with having that video component. Um, that's really big for me. So I appreciate y'all. Hope everyone's having a great rest of their day. Hope everyone's doing well and um, go get it. I appreciate y'all. Keep grinding. Keep hustling. Let's go.